Welcome back to What A Hit Son. We are back today with a familiar face in my brother Rory Marr to talk about the European leagues and reflect on the transfer business that was done by the clubs and how clubs will fare this season. Welcome back, Rue, for season two. Glad to have you back. Great to be back here now. Looking forward to season two now. It's going to be great. Yeah, and uh, I suppose kind of um, from what you've watched across kind of these leagues, I think so, so far, like the similar game, just around seven games in some leagues and kind of less in other leagues. What have you kind of, from looking across these leagues, what have you seen so far or what's your opinion like? Are you seeing a difference with like a lot of these leagues obviously having the fans back? Are you seeing kind of more high-quality games and stuff like that? Uh, it seems to be a lot of goals. Um, I think the leagues just seem to be getting that bit more competitive again. Um, there's definitely some shock results that have come up, especially in like the likes of the German league, Spanish league, even the Italian league so far. There's been quite a few um, changes. So I... I don't think an awful lot of those leagues will know until maybe the new year um, when the table settles down a little bit. Um, maybe potentially how the, the seasons or the leagues are going to fi- finish. Um, similar, So similar to the Premier League in that sense, I just think the fans being back just not levels the playing field a little bit more um, than what it had been prior to that. So we'll see. Yeah, I suppose kind of uh, we'll start off. I think the the main league we'll start off with because of kind of some of the business that went on there probably is the Spanish league. So like um, looking at the Spanish league, looking at some of the the business that was done. If we start kind of like I think the main transfer that happened from that league, obviously with how much of a story kind of created from it was obviously Messi leaving Barcelona for the first time and probably. The time no one expected this to happen at the time because he wanted to stay. They were trying to work out something, but obviously Barcelona, because financially the the predicament they're in and the wages that they're paying out, and um, they couldn't uh, get him obviously to uh, to stay, um, and he ended up moving. Obviously, um, looking at kind of what they brought in um and kind of what they've done so let's look like right now in the league they're not doing so well they're they're ninth in the table from seven games they've only got 12 points and watching them kind of i think they're they don't look the side they have been and is this a sign now that they're a dwindling force that they're going to hit a, a bad few years or turmoil or or following in that path where they might not be one of the standout clubs in the Spanish league or is this just a blip and they they'll be able to progress um I'll be honest haven't watched them or you haven't been there's been games where I haven't been very impressed and um, they don't have a recognized striker I know I know they got went and got the young but I don't think he's ever going to be the caliber of player to be playing for a Barcelona um, the pie isn't an orthodox striker as such. He goes, he, he very much, uh, you know, he plays kind of free a free role across that kind of front tree, and he can drift either side to the left or drift to the right, to the right, and he could be seen whipping balls in. He takes a lot of set pieces, so he's not going to be the guy necessarily that you want in the six yard box. Obviously, the young, uh, the young can be that, but uh, like we're what a kind of drop in caliber of player you're talking about there considering who the great strikers that they've had over the years and um, i i'll be honest with you i 
I think they're going to have a bit of a lull for a few years. But when you see the likes of Pedri coming through, Gavi uh, coming through now as well, I don't think it'll be an awful long time before a couple more of those types of players pop through. Um, I think, I suppose, at the moment, it looks like the, from a defensive aspect is where they're going to really struggle. Um, they've got aging players in there, like obviously Busquets, um, fantastic as he's been. He's getting a little bit older, so you'll want someone to replace him. And then you have... Um, Centre half, you have Pique, who's definitely, definitely on the decline. So, um, I think that's where they're kind of soft, um, if you want to kind of put it that way. So, I think that's why they're getting kind of shown up. Um, and then obviously the fans coming back just makes it a bit more difficult uh, away from home or whatever. So, I think that's just now in the grand scheme of things. They're ninth place, but there's only five points between themselves and Real Madrid. So I don't think the gap is necessarily that big. But evidence on the performances, yes, the gap has been, has been a lot bigger. Um, I suppose the most impressive team that we've seen so far, Madrid are scoring an awful lot of goals. Like Their goal difference is like 12 there. So there's quite a big difference. And Atletico have just carried on where they left off last season. And they've been excellent as well. Um, although all the Spanish teams have been fairly poor in Europe, so that would suggest that it's maybe not as strong as the league. Um, I suppose Villarreal were had a good start. They pre- realistically should have won. Um, should have beat United uh, away in Old Trafford. They were excellent. Um, but like they're 11th. I don't think they had won a, a league game so far this season until recently enough either. They had an awful lot of draws. So... Um, I don't know, yeah, but it it uh, definitely can't see outside Madrid, the two Madrid teams really winning that league. I don't think Barcelona um, will be anywhere there, but I'd expect them to improve and maybe get Europe or something. Yeah, that I think that was the one thing I was going to say. Like, obviously, you look at, at your Madrid and you look at uh, Real Madrid and you look at your um, Barcelona. Now, obviously, Atletico. Um, pulled out obviously of this Super League but like the way, when you're looking at this and looking at how Real Madrid and Barcelona are performing and how they're not really getting the transfer tax or having a busy kind of transfer window like you look at what um, Barcelona did like Barcelona three or four of their signings were free transfers. That's how they signed the players. So obviously they signed Aguero. Now, of course, Aguero's still out at the moment with his injury. Um, Eric Garcia, who um, who's had a hit and miss, really. I, I don't really rate him as a defender. And then obviously they've had Depay, who's probably been the only kind of standout kind of performer for them at the moment in regards to he's helped get them the goals. He scored, he scored a good few goals for them already. But, like, as a side, when you look at the players, like, there are some nice players in there. And I I do agree with you. I think they're going to go through a few years where it's going to hurt them bad, especially if they don't sort out their defensive side. But the positives for them is you look at Ansu Fati. Obviously, he was out injured. He's come back straight away on his return. He scored. And he's, he's a decent player. You've got Pedri and Gavi both who have represented their their national team already at the ages they are. So there is something positive for them to look at. And I suppose that's what they're doing now, especially with the whole um, putting the 1 billion release clause 
in Pedri. Um, the question I have for that is, is that a sign that they now know, need to, to look and see that that's what they need to do with their players, that they need to put these release clauses in, that, that the high clauses to stop their players being sold kind of in the long run? Yeah, I had a joke with someone during the week um, saying that the, the billion pounds um, or the billion euro um, release clauses, the amount of debt Barcelona have. So I suppose that would sort all their debt out if someone was now to come and, and, and buy him for that. Um, it's, it, it's mad money, but Messi had a similar release clause um, for a long time as well. I like just, like, if you're Pedri, um, like, you don't sign that contract necessarily. Um, if if you were looking to leave, do you know what I mean? You would just leave or whatever. So, um, I just think Pedri's probably just happy to stay there for the period. He probably realizes he's still developing um nicely at Barcelona, especially with the um academy system and everything. And in fairness, he did get exposed to the, the the first team at Barcelona. So, um. I don't see that um, necessarily being a, a bad thing for him personally. So, um, look, the, the, these things, are, these clauses are put in um, in a couple of years' time. Obviously, I'm sure that will drop down. Um, we don't know the ins and outs of the contract situations, but um, release clauses like that, they, they don't necessarily last. Um, and that could, that could decline. Um, like obviously you get to, uh, to the final year of a contract there's definitely not a release clause for a, for a billion you know what I mean so um, we'll see what happens but he's an exciting player himself and Gavi so at least Barcelona like Barcelona need to kind of hang on to these kind of players if they have any chance of of um, of improving and, and maybe competing um, this season or the next couple of seasons yeah yeah like I totally agree and it's going to be interesting to see kind of when we look at Barcelona how kind of the season goes on for them and then in regards to January now what they're seeing here will they be busy in January or will they try make some transfers in January to kind of help boost um their squad that'll be kind of an interesting to see I suppose then kind of we move on to the other big name but standout name in that league which is Real Madrid obviously Real Madrid kind of they'd two main signings in, in the league. So obviously David Alaba, who they got a, as a free transfer, and then Eduardo Camavinga, who obviously was one of the standout performers in the French league last season for uh, Stade Rennes. Um, and then obviously they uh, they lost big a big name, two big names in their defence in Varane and Sergio Ramos, um, which, in my opinion, I was shocked kind of to see the two of them go, but I can understand probably why those two names left. Like, is that is that another team who need to kind of defensively need to improve? And then the other question I have from there is because of the lack of business they did, obviously they had the situation where they tried to sign uh, Kylian Mbappe. Is it something that you probably see in January that they'll try and sign a big name like Mbappe, especially with him coming to the end of his contract? Well, look, I'll be honest with you. I don't really understand how these clubs are like the 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 reason why these teams were pushing for super leagues was because they had no money. So I didn't really understand where Madrid were getting this money, having sold all these players for to to put in a 
a kind of transfer bid for Mbappe. I thought it was a, there was a bit of smoke and mirrors going on, to be honest with you, to make it look as if they were that interested and they were willing to pay that money. Whether they actually had that money now is a different story. Because um, if PSG had turned around and said, well, we want all that money up front, um, maybe that would have played um, Madrid's hand. So, I don't know. Uh, but they've obviously got a very solid manager in, in Ancelotti. Um, they seem to be scoring loads of goals and seem to be quite attacking. Um, obviously, they've been they've lost a couple of key players defensively. Um, and Alaba, I never really rated Alaba if he's playing left full or if he's playing centre half. Um, I actually thought his best position was kind of like a holding midfielder, to be honest with you. Because I don't think he's as strong defensively. I think he plays kind of a that, that kind of role for Austria, or he did at one stage anyway. So... Um, but he's gone there for a, a nice, um, nice old pay, um, pay job towards the end of his career. I think uh, I can't see how he's gone there to win necessarily an awful lot of trophies. He would have been better off staying at um, at Bayern. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if an awful lot of stuff or an awful lot of transfers will be done um, in um, January by in many leagues i'd say probably the premier league more than likely just because i had a lot of the clubs have a lot more money and potentially that that will be the league where all the the transfers are done and i can't see um i can't see much being done in in the spanish leagues or any of those generally because they go on um the winter break as well not not an awful lot is done yeah yeah no i i totally agree with you like it's 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 gonna be an interesting one like and i that I totally agree. I don't understand where this money came from for them. Like I can understand they might have received a, some bit of money, um, kind of from transfers like obviously Martin Odegaard um going, obviously um Varane uh, leaving as well, um, and then s- some money kind of in loan fees and stuff like that. But I I still don't understand where kind of majority of the money it came from. Like especially if they're in a neg- negative um so it is a confusing one and kind of it is, will be interesting to see and i think kind of on the mbappe side it will be interesting to see what happens in january in regards to if he'll sign a pre-contract agreement because obviously madrid are in another country he's got the option to do that or will he sign a new deal with psg that has a release clause of a certain amount that that psg will will need to ha- receive from a club for him to move or something like that. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens on that side because Madrid right now, without Karim uh, Benzema, uh, go very far because he's been been the man mainly. Like, I know Vinicius has scored a few goals as well in the league and that, but realistically, he's the main man for them now. And if he got, if he's gets an injury or that, Madrid are going to struggle more. Um I suppose then we look at the other side of Madrid, then you've got Atletico Madrid, who, to be honest, I think their recruitment has been very good in what they've brought in. Obviously, they've brought um, Griezmann back on loan, on a two-year loan with a nine million fee from Barcelona, which I was shocked kind of to see that on the kind of transfer deadline day. Um, and then they've brought in a very good midfielder in um, Rodrigo de Paul, who was a standout performer in the Syria, and then Matthias Cunha, who was a standout performer uh, for Hertha Berlin. Um, last year kind of were kind of the standouts um, 
of their transfer business. Um, and then they sold uh, one or two players and then also um, sent Saul on loan to uh, Chelsea. So kind of what was your opinion on their transfer business? Um, kind of has it really helped them for the season to keep them at kind of the, as the favourites for the league or push them that step further? Um, I thought they were they were some fantastic signings, really. Um, Rodrigo de Paul is an excellent signing from um, from Udinese. Um, obviously, Cunha from Hertha. So it, I, it's mad. There was a long time for a long time. Atletico were similar. They were obviously dwarfed by Real in terms of money, but Atletico have a lot of money these days, and you it kind of surprise you how kind of big transfer fees are. There's nearly 60 million spent um, on those two players alone. And then obviously they're having to pay the, the loan fee, I'd say, for, for Griezmann. Um, I think it's around 9 or 10 million. Um, but they're, they're excellent. They're excellent signings. Help strengthen the squad. Um, the Saul one was such a strange one. Um, letting him go, especially on loan as well. Um, like they, have, they have quite a few players that are gone out on out on loan, but um, like uh, they obviously had Dembele last season. He's gone back. He's gone back to Leon. Um, where did he go somewhere else? I can't remember. Um, and obviously Lucas Torreira. Um, they had him on loan as well. So I'll be honest. I think it was very good business. Like the the top teams like that. When you when you have such a good season, you only need a couple of um, a couple of players realistically to help strengthen the squad, and then you just kick on again because you have the same players. But it's and to help keep um, keep competitiveness within the um, within the squad, and obviously keep players on their toes and know that they're not getting too complacent after such a successful year. Um, but I haven't really been very impressed with Atleti again. Champions League, same again. It'll be very interesting now when they play Liverpool midweek, how they get on. Um, the Spanish FA have obviously given them a massive help in postponing their game this weekend, um, meaning they're going to be fresh for, for Tuesday. Obviously, Liverpool are playing early kickoff on on tomorrow um, against Watford. So, We'll have to see. Um, obviously, the the drama has been over the international break with the South American, that uh, all, all the World Cup ma- qualifying matches being organised so late in the week, which has just been a bit of a farce. Like Brazil and all that were playing um, like early hours of this morning. Obviously, a little bit earlier in in South America, but still very late, and then less than 24 hours before they would have been playing um, for Liverpool. So the likes of Alisson and Fabinho, etc., have gone directly to Madrid for that game. Um, so that would be interesting to see. Obviously, it gives them a little bit more time to recover from jet lag, etc. But um, I think that's a big kind of... That game on Tuesday will really kind of highlight how strong the league is at the moment because, obviously, uh, Villarreal won... Um, the Europa League last season but I wasn't overly impressed with the Spanish clubs in Europe like I know Madrid had beaten Liverpool um, but they were fairly poor against Chelsea um, I think Madrid caught Liverpool at the perfect time really um, and Atletico obviously got knocked out by Chelsea as well so um, Barcelona have been very poor in Europe the last few seasons so 
Yeah, but like that that'd be my main kind of um things, but uh, there's no doubt Atletico seem to be very solid. They definitely seem to be scoring a few more goals, um there's but they're still very solid at the back as always really and their home form is what really helped them obviously um this season um and especially last season helping them uh, to win the league. Yeah, no, the Totally agree with you, and it will be interesting to see, especially on on Tuesday with it, because you're you're they'll be playing a very strong Liverpool side who 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 season is going very well for them. So it it'll kind of as as you said, it'll kind of show kind of one of the best in La Liga against one of the best in the Premier League to see kind of how um, Atletico match to that level kind of of quality um, of of football, and to see if if there is still kind of a challenge from La Liga to for European football. So, um, like realistically looking at the league, I think Atletico are probably the best team in the league. Kind of looking at the the squad, the squad depth, and kind of the quality of players. I think in the squad, a lot. We'll we'll have to wait till Tuesday, kind of, to see how it finishes. I think kind of the last question that I have on La Liga before we move on to the next league is. From the other teams in there, so you've got like your Sevilla and Real Sociedad who make up kind of the top four there, and then you've got the likes of Osasuna, Real Valerengo, Atletico Bilbao, and Valencia kind of, uh, and Betis then who make up the rest of the top ten. Um, who can you see kind of maybe sneaking in and potentially getting in that top four, or like keeping Barcelona out, um, say potentially if, if Barcelona keep struggling this season? Good question. I suppose looking at the table, like Sociedad had a very good year last year as well. Um, they're third at the moment, and Sevilla always seem to get into Europe, so they would be the other two. Um, Bilbao, they don't score an awful lot of goals, but quite solid at the back. Um, Valencia seem to have been playing a little bit better this year as well, so I'd fully expect Villarreal to, to improve anyway. I don't that definitely won't be mid-table come end of the season. Betis have had a poorish start in the league, but have been very strong in Europe as well. So, um, I'd be honest with you, like I said, I don't think that table will settle down until the new year, similar to the to the Premier League. Although I know in the Premier League that the, the, the main kind of sides have already kind of found their way to the top um, already. The I would say like if, if I had to pick four teams now, like based on what I've seen, I I wouldn't think Barcelona would get Europe. So I'd go the two Madrid, Sociedad, and I think Villarreal might have a bit of a hangover. I'd just say those top four sides. I'd say Sevilla, Sociedad, and the two Madrid teams to be the top four from the end of the season. Yeah, I probably would be around the same line as you. Now, the only other thing, like... You you could see the likes of Real Betis maybe sneak in there as well. Real Betis seem a decent side, so they could sneak in there. They seem to be consistent enough, but it, I suppose it is going to be one of those ones. I think it's going to change quite a lot as well, because I think that's what happens with the Spanish league now lately, especially with when you have the two teams like the two Madrid. I think the two Madrids realistically will stay in the top four. But I can see kind of the rest of the teams, including Barcelona, are just going to keep chopping and changing positions because obviously now, obviously with Barcelona, potentially with Aguero coming in, he might help solve kind of the performance issues and get bang in the goals for them. It, may, it might be suited because obviously he's played in, 
in La Liga before with with Atletico, so it might suit him and he might uh, help Barcelona step that further step. But right now, I, I agree with you. I think probably the top four that's there, probably realistically, is my top four for the end of the season. But then kind of we move on from um, La Liga, then we kind of move on to one of the next leagues kind of that's obviously had a busy, busy summer in regards to transfers, especially with obviously the top team in the league in um, PSG. So obviously PSG uh, signed one of the best players in the world and Lionel Messi, which was the shock transfer of, of the window. And also bringing in the likes of Hakimi, um, Danilo Pereira, uh, Donnarumma, Sergio Ramos, Gini Wijnaldum. They obviously, uh, that, that their transfer window actually wasn't that expensive because four of those players were actually free transfers. They maximized on obviously the, the free transfer window. Was the the transfer window for PSG the type of transfer window? Obviously, Messi coming into the squad. Will this will those one or two signings that they've made to obviously improve the squad actually push them over the line and actually win them the Champions League trophy this year? Based on what I've seen so far, no. Um, I think their team looks unbelievably un, uh, unbalanced. Um, I think they have too many. Car- caliber players and even a couple of injuries here and there and I'll scupper them like I think I still I still regard PSG's like their best player as being Mbappe Neymar is the most frustrating mercurial talent probably in the history of football he's either brilliant or woeful um, uh, when Aldum's come out and said he's had a really poor start to his PSG career he's been abysmal Um Defensively, they've not looked the best, especially in the league. We've seen an awful lot of goals, even though their defence hasn't really changed an awful lot. Um, Hakimi. Hakimi's probably been their best signing so far. But, uh, obviously, thought highly of Hakimi when he, was at, um, when he was at Dortmund. and Obviously, he was brilliant for Inter Milan last season. Scored quite a few goals as well. Um, and he seems to carry it off, carried on where he left off. Um, at PSG, so he's been brilliant. Um, I don't know, what, like the the league, the French league is a walk in the park for them. I still like. I don't think they'll blow teams away. Monaco have had a very good start again this season. They've been good in Europe as well. Um, so I would expect PSG to be comfortable in the league, which obviously gives them more license to, to put all their eggs in one basket with the Champions League. Like obviously they beat um they beat City but it, it didn't really tell the full story because that nil nil City missed some awfully good chances to, to take the lead and then PSG kind of sucker punched them and then second half a little bit of brilliance against the break um or on the break with Messi. But PSG really were on the team on the back foot in that game and they had to defend an awful lot. So um, it'd be interesting to see what, how that return leg goes. Because um, Man City, obviously, they had three tough games back to back. Like they had uh, Chelsea away, PSG away, and then Liverpool away. Um, obviously, managing four points, um, obviously, two being league games, but that's a tough run of fixtures. And to come out with that with only having lost one. Um, and like realistically, apart from the two PSG games, Man City will win every other game in that the 
in the group. So it's a matter of first or second, you know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily the worst case scenario for a Man City side to necessarily come second in that group. Um, probably we'll have to see, but um, I don't know. I do, not told on that. P, like I said, I'm not told on that PSG side. Neymar is constantly regarded as the third best player in the world, and I don't even think he's in the top ten. Um, he hasn't been for a long, long time. Um, he'll have a couple of games here and there where he'll be brilliant, but he's he's um he's quite uh quite under. He's re- he's really underachieved based on his kind of early potential and what he did um at Barcelona. Yeah, and I suppose then kind of the question I have about that, obviously, what is about PSG and then with the players, um, is is the problem with PSG kind of from looking at their squad? Is the problem that that with them is they've too many high caliber players or slash too many egos in the squad? Um, kind of is that what's kind of holding them back as as a side is that why kind of they're not performing or playing as well together like you look at kind of the history like Ramos played for Madrid Messi played for Barcelona like straight away you've two players who never would have thought that they'd be playing together um and then like you look around the pitch then you've Neymar uh who wants to be the star man in the squad and now he's he's kind of back in Messi's shadow and then obviously Mbappe is out trying and Neymar so like he's now gone to kind of nearly the third third the third kind of attacker kind of or main man in the team nearly behind the other two. Yeah I that's what I'm saying I'd I'd regard and even like a Cardi since he was signed um from Inter he's been he's been excellent as well. Um, and he's scored an awful lot of goals. Now, I know he's had some injury kind of issues as well, but in terms of from a consistency perspective, even uh, Moise Keane last season when he was there was scoring an awful lot of goals. And I just don't think Neymar, apart from scoring a few penalties here and there, but he's not really impacting the game the same way the other players are. Um, so, yeah, of the front three, I don't think Messi's been necessarily brilliant since he's gone there either. I suppose it's going to take a while to adapt. Um and the whole squad was kind of made, um, or the whole team was made specifically um, to suit him uh, at Barcelona. Like everything was built around him. Yeah, so I said, Neymar is definitely an issue in terms of the egos there. But I suppose when you have all that many big players and all this money that's been thrown around or whatever, I think that does obviously have an impact. Um, like, I don't know how a teammate you would be frustrated when the likes of Neymar takes the same time of the year off every year in around his sister's birthday and he goes back to Brazil and all this. And like he came out um came out there during the week and said that uh, he couldn't see himself playing international football after um the upcoming World Cup. It's too hard on him mentally. And yet you have Ronaldo at thirty six Still going strong, but not no sign of retirement. Happy playing international tournaments for for Portugal, so not quite strange. Um, that he said from a mental perspective, he wasn't able for it because if you look at the amount of games a season Neymar plays in comparison to say someone like Ronaldo, he doesn't play a fraction. And um, he misses so many games either through injury or through his uh, 
um, you know, voluntary sabbaticals to Brazil or wherever he's off to. So yeah, I like that's what I'm saying. I, I couldn't. I I would imagine it's very frustrating to have someone like Neymar as a as a teammate and all the egos at PSG. It's going to be a real challenge for Pochettino. Like I said, it was a real strange decision for Pochettino to to go for a job like that because that's part of the job description, as you know, what you're getting yourself into, um, managing the team like that. So. But obviously, um, he was ready for for a new challenge. Um, they in the grand scheme of things, he did quite well in Europe. Obviously, last season, and I do think they'll be better in Europe this year. But I just can't see, based on the performance I've seen so far, I understand it's going to take time for them all to gel. But I don't see them. I I think they're worse off this season than they were last season, regardless of the squad they have. Purely because I just don't think it's balanced. Um, and whether that needs to change in terms of team selection or Poch needs to drop an Neymar and maybe put a striker in there and play Messi and Mbappe either side of an orthodox striker or something. But I think if Mbappe, Messi and Neymar stay as the front three going forward, I don't know if that's necessarily going to work. Yeah, like I totally agree with you. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see, especially with the Mbappe side with how is. How his contracts up at the end of the season? What what's gonna happen? Like to be honest, like looking at it from Pochettino's side, he's nearly kind of trying to put all his eggs in one basket and try and get Mbappe in in his press conferences. You can even see they. I think from from what he's saying in his his press conferences, I don't think Mbappe wants to stay. And at when Mbappe came out himself and said that he wanted to leave and he told PSG he wanted to leave even before Messi was signed, I I, I think he wants a new challenge. He's he's sick he's sick and tired of um playing in, in the French league. I think he wants to go to a, a more competitive league and challenge and and have a bigger challenge and play for the likes of, of Real Madrid as that is like playing for one of the big clubs in, in Spain is is the dream of a lot of French French players especially kind of when you look back at the history of a lot of kind of the huge French names like you look at your he went to Barcelona you look at like Anelka played with um, Real Madrid you've got Zidane obviously who played with Madrid as well like it's it's very well known if you're a big name French player you either play in the Premier League or you play in in the Spanish League kind of to to even raise your name even more um I suppose then kind of looking at the French League and looking at kind of, obviously, it's not, it's actually fallen out for the standard of, of the league. It's actually fallen out of the top five leagues um, as classified in, in Europe. And the Portuguese League has actually gone ahead of them in regards to how they're ranked now as a league. Is is the French League losing its attraction Um, kind of, as much like I know, obviously PSG are pulling in all these big names, um, still uh, and that. But is kind of in general the French league losing its attraction as much? Um, I suppose when a team is so far ahead from a money perspective, um, it's obviously quite um frustrating for for everybody really for a neutral when you see a team with so much money even having to throw like it dwarfs all the the other. Clubs in the, the league, I suppose in that sense it would be unappealing. 
Um, I don't particularly. I, I actually prefer to watch a lot of the other French games. I don't particularly like watching PSG play. I don't even like their style of football. I just think there's no real set pattern or set way of playing. Um, but when you watch the likes of like Lyon or Marseille or whatever, like it's quite an attacking league. So there, um, I don't see. I I don't think it gets the same necessarily publicity. As some of the other leagues are the same amount of time on TV or ability to to watch it, but I, I think the whole PSG aspect makes the French league less appealing. I would say, um, but like I don't, I I I'd rarely watch the Spanish league now, um, purely because of all the the antics of Real Madrid and Florentino Perez and obviously Barcelona. Barcelona more or less were doing whatever they wanted regardless of the, the money and didn't have the money and were able to get away with it. And I, I still don't understand how they haven't been done by financial fair play because they were clearly going beyond their means um, and nothing's come of that. So I don't know. Yeah, like I said, so yeah, I would find the French league slightly more appealing than the Spanish league at the moment, but that's just that's just personal preference. Yeah, yeah, I can understand, understand that. Um... And then kind of I think the final question I have then in regards to the French League is that you look obviously what happened last season and kind of the shock obviously Lille came on and, and won the title obviously and then obviously in the summer they, they did lose a few of their players to two big clubs like a few went to, to Italy, a few went to the Premier League and that can you see kind of any of the sides um, kind of causing an upset this season and maybe winning the title ahead of PSG now I know obviously RC Len are having a, a, a huge first season uh, back in the the uh, league and obviously with they just got promoted last season and they're already kind of in second place on 18 points having only lost one game as well um so they're they're looking like a decent side can you see someone like that maybe or Nice or kind of Leon or Monaco kind of causing an upset this season maybe um or will PSG probably kind of walk away with it? Um, like I said, I, it all depends on the kind of head-to-head matches, but I would have thought PSG should be more enough to, to win the league by five-plus points anyway. Um, I definitely don't think it'll be as tight as last season. Um, but yeah, it's great. I, I think it, you'll obviously have a lot of competition for the other uh, European places, whether it be Marseille, Monaco, um, Lyon, obviously you've said Len, Lille. Like they're all fighting for those next kind of three spots, so I think that'll be um, fairly competitive. But I still can't see how PSG can possibly not win that league. If they don't win that league, what will be gone? Like even if they, regardless how they do in the Champions League, if they're not winning the French league, like with, as a PSG manager, you're not that much really. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Like it, it is the type of thing. Like it's a, it's. It's nearly a given kind of for them that they should be winning the league because that like that's that's a normal thing like that with that even as they've shown in years even when they've won the league or they've won the French Cup managers have been sacked like Thomas Tuchel was sacked even when they won both because he didn't win the Champions League and that's what they want and that's that's the thing that that's missing from them so if they don't win the league or um you could easily see Poch getting getting sacked that way kind of if 
um, he he doesn't win that. Like, um, I suppose then kind of moving on then from from kind of the league and then kind of from what we've covered, um, probably go to the other league kind of, which I I feel kind of from watching it from the outside, kind of you have one or two names in there as well who are who are suffering as well, and obviously you have the one name that's still in the kind of the Super League idea in Juventus, um. Are Juventus kind of, especially with the loss of Ronaldo, obviously kind of um, when it, with him moving to United, are Juventus also losing their kind of attraction as a club now, do you think, um, kind of with some of the names that they haven't been able to sign or, or get? Um, I don't know. Like, I would still regard Juventus being the biggest side in, in Italy. So, no, I don't think they're losing them. Um, Losing their attraction at all. I just think, obviously, Ronaldo saw them as maybe he realised that they weren't going to compete necessarily for the Champions League. Although they've had a they've had a good start. They've beat um they beat Chelsea, so technically they're top of the group at the moment. Um, and I don't know what Ronaldo was thinking necessarily going back to United, but you know I can tell you now, United will not be winning the Champions League, and United will not be winning the the Premier League. So I don't know if that was necessarily the smartest decision, um, on Ronaldo's part. Um, I would have thought Juventus would be more competitive than that. Um, I do think the Italian league has has gotten a lot stronger. Um, like Inter Milan have had a good start. Obviously, Mourinho going to Roma, um, they've had a decent start as well. AC Milan have been excellent. Um, they're quite a young team as well, so they're only going to improve. Napoli have been fantastic. I think they're top of the league at the moment. Um, they've been they've been they've been brilliant. Um, and scoring an awful lot of goals as well. So I, I just think the the Italian league. I've been seeing the last couple of years. It was um, in terms of like it, it was always Juventus were kind of coming back to the pack as such. Um, they weren't going to be uh, as clear cut winners as they had been previously. Now I know they'd had a, a poor start to the league this year, but um, they've had a couple of decent results there before. Um, the international break, so I'd expect them to um to kind of get closer. But Napoli, I've been very impressed with Napoli, and I expect themselves and Milan, and even Inter. Um, Roma, Roma have made obviously some good signs as well, especially with Tammy Abraham gone. I think um obviously he just got injured, but um he's been a very smart signing. Obviously Zeko going to Inter Milan was um was a great signing. AC, like I said, have uh, Rebic, and obviously they still have um. Um, Frank Kessie and Ibrahimovic, so they'll have goals in that team. They were excellent in Anfield um, that first game uh, of the Champions League this year. They were 2-0 down. We we were very much the, the better team, but they still found a way to get it to 2-2. Um, so a lot of goals in that team. So, um, yeah, I like I said, I think I, I wouldn't say Juventus are, are dwindling. I just think they're just coming back to the pack as such and all the other teams have improved. Yeah, I suppose they kind of, as you touched on, kind of the team's tighten there. Like, obviously, Napoli have had an absolutely fantastic um, start, obviously, to the season. And they're actually unbeaten in the league, winning winning all seven of their goals. And as you touched on, obviously, banging in the goals as well, like only conceding. Uh, three and obviously scoring eighteen, they 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 seem to just have have that kind of drive to to push them to the next step. I suppose then kind of the next question I have from that is looking at kind of the teams that are there. Um, are AC Milan coming back to their 
their dominance obviously as a side because they were missing for at least seven eight years as a side like are they regaining that kind of attraction and obviously that quality of a club they are now kind of obviously now they're back in the champions league they've slowly kind of been moving back up and then obviously bringing bringing in some of the signings that they've had um over the summer like you've got obviously tomori who, who who's been very um solid for them obviously brought in Mainyan um to replace Donnarumma who left um uh they've they've signed um Brahim um Diaz who seems to kind of have clicked with them more then obviously Florenzi um came from um in from Roma and then you've got Giroud who's got who who's another player who's uh, kind of a, a go-to man for goals as well kind of were they kind of helping kind of improve to get to that level where they should be kind of winning the league nearly now kind of or challenging for the league every season well, they challenged last season for a long time and then kind of fell away a little bit but yeah and no, I would um, I would expect them to be there right till the end this year um, obviously like I said I, I don't see Juventus I, just purely on the start that they've had I think they've kind of left themselves a little bit too much to do to, to maybe win the league um, and obviously they have lost Ronaldo Um now it remains to be seen. I think also to an extent, obviously their their defense is getting quite old, um, with the likes of Benucci and um Cellini or whatever. But um, they still have the list. And the list is still kind of developing and improving. But yeah, it would only take a couple of injuries here or there in the AC Milan so to obviously have a few problems. Um. But they, they, like I said, they're quite a young team and they're improving all the time. I was, you mentioned Brahim Diaz. I was very impressed with him at Anfield that that game. Like he's he's been kind of bit he's been kind of pillar to post quite a, for quite a few top sides. He's been to Madrid, obviously City, um, and never really got a look in or a bit of luck or kind of a run in the side as such. So it's good to see that he's getting the chance to kind of um to play. And 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 do his stuff, and he seems to be uh, playing very well for for AC, and developed quite a bit of a partnership or telepathy with um, Anthony Rebic. So I expect the two of them to do to do very well. Like realistically, they were very unlucky the second game against um, against Atleti away as well. So I wouldn't necessarily rule them out of maybe getting out with the Champions League group um, at the moment. So we'll have to see. But um, if you to put a gun to my head and say which team will be winning the the league based on what I've seen, I'd be saying Napoli, which obviously be massive for for um, the Napoli kind of supporters as well, because it's been a long time. They've been close quite a few times, especially under Sarri that year. But so it'd be nice to see them maybe uh, to win a league. Yeah, I I, th- I think I agree with you. Like you look at what obviously Napoli have done kind of this summer. They've kind of been able to kind of hold on to kind of the, the core of the squad and kind of just bring in so certain players kind of to help improve. So obviously they brought in centre-back in Juan Jesus. They brought in um, Polietano, uh from from Inter and then Angisa from, uh, from Fulham kind of was the main thing. Kind of they got rid of kind of more of the kind of fringe players who weren't really playing was kind of the main kind of business they did, which definitely was kind of very positive kind of business for them so i i agree with you i think i i see them as probably the strong favorites as as they've shown so far this season and um, then kind of looking at obviously who won last season so you've got um 
Inter there who they seem to kind of brought in a few kind of older players. So obviously they brought in Dzeko who's coming towards the end of his career. They brought in uh, Kalin Oglu from uh, obviously their biggest rivals in AC, which I'm kind of surprised with that signing. Um, then, then kind of in Correa as well, who from Lazio. So with them, obviously the the big loss for them was obviously Romelu Lukaku and kind of Hakimi, kind of who were two standout performers last season. Will kind of the two losses of them kind of impact their? season with kind of how kind of the likes of Lukaku kind of was a was a big part of their season and how they performed or will kind of the bringing in kind of the likes of Dzeko and kind of Correa kind of help with that? Well I suppose Lukaku really developed his game um, as a hold-up man and kind of link player as well as a front man but obviously the difference between Dzeko um, and Lukaku was pace that Lukaku had the pace to stretch defences as well or run into the corners or turn the fi- or turn teams obviously Dzeko doesn't have that but he has got Martinez with him who can do that because um, Martinez is quick so I suppose if they they've, they've seem to have developed a partnership as well already so um from that aspect i don't think the the yukaku void um is necessarily that big in terms of uh, zeko would still score plenty of goals as he did at roma he just doesn't have the, the kind of legs or the pay be a better hold up player if i'm honest in terms of um, back to goal as well um obviously he's a he's a better first touch obviously it's quite obvious um Lukaku at times can be can have quite a poor um first touch um, or a heavy touch as such um but, but between him and Martinez and then you have obviously Nico Barella who's been excellent I yeah I wouldn't um I wouldn't rule them out definitely obviously it's going to be more difficult um especially with the other teams improving uh, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't rule out Inter Milan anyway. I'd like they'd definitely be in that top three or four teams anyway. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. They, they definitely will be kind of in the top three or four for sure in the league. And it will be kind of interesting to see kind of, um, kind of all of the league, kind of how how it goes for kind of um the teams over the season. Uh, and I agree with you with the Inter. They are going to struggle with the loss of Lukaku because they've lost that kind of man who's got the pace he's got that who can bang you in a goal from nothing nearly in in a game as well um which will be kind of different as well and then Hakimi was a standout performer last season as well that they'll miss that kind of on on the wing as well for them so but I still see them as a strongish side with the players as you as you pointed out like your likes of your Barella and kind of even the players coming in like Chalanoglu and and that kind of will kind of help them push forward so it'll be interesting to see how it does finish for them kind of in the season. And then I suppose then kind of we go on to kind of the last league kind of we want to cover today, which is obviously um, the Bundesliga. Um, I suppose we'll start with the, the main side in there, obviously, who are consistently winning the title, which is uh, Bayern Munich. Um, the first thing kind of I probably will ask you kind of is, do you think kind of now is kind of the time that Bayern Munich need to look for uh Lewandowski's um replacement kind of uh with kind of how much they struggle without him especially up front is it now they need to look for that secondary striker or a youngish striker to come in now who can fill it fill his boots especially with obviously Lewandowski even saying that he wants to potentially look at one last move before he hangs up his boots um, yeah it's tough to know like to have that young um 
Então tem Young, Fair, um, Jamal, Musiala, um, who I know he's maybe of a top in the trailer, but maybe I think potentially one point I see him as maybe heir to the throne, sure, of Lewandowski. Um, but like Lewandowski arguably has been the best player in, in Europe for the last two seasons, and he's kind of continued where he left off even this year as well. Um, obviously the year they didn't have the, the Ballon d'Or. Um, he was one of the the favourites for it. And then last season, he scored 41 goals in 29 league games, excluding assists as well. But that's a very that's a very hard um, kind of player to, to replace unless they look for something slightly different. Um, you could argue maybe that Haaland is the perfect kind of replacement for Lewandowski. And Bayern obviously have a lot of um, history, or historically, Dortmund as well have been well-known to... to well, not just Dortmund, all the top side or other competing sides or competitors in Germany sell their best players to, to Bayern. Um, they're like the big brother and they take all the, the other team's best players. So like that's that's a there's a very real possibility if Haaland doesn't want to leave that league that he just goes to Bayern. It'll be interesting to see now next year. Uh, and obviously Bayern have the money to be able to, to buy him um, and obviously pay the wages that he wants to be paid. But uh, I, the, the league definitely looks more competitive this year. Uh, Leverkusen have been excellent um, in Europe as well, scoring an awful lot of goals as well. And then uh, Dortmund have, have been the mu- their usual selves. They haven't seemed to have missed Sancho too much. So um, I would expect, uh, expect it to stay like that. But uh, Bayern purely because how strong they've been over the last few years, you'd expect them to find some way to just grind it out and, and get the get the league title. But um I definitely think it'll be a little bit closer this season. Yeah, and I suppose and you look at obviously Dor- Dortmund then as well in, in the league. And as as you touched on obviously with um Haaland, um kind of is kind of this kind of his maybe his swung song season before he may potentially makes a move over um from kind of Dortmund and is it is that what Dortmund have kind of done? Obviously, bringing in the likes of Daniel uh, Malin from from PSV, who's a centre forward, obviously who, who's been banging them in in the Dutch league. Um, and then obviously he, he's he scored a few goals already for them. Here is he potentially the the, pl- the replacement for him for when Haaland goes potentially. Boy, like not really the same kind of caliber of player, really, is he? Um, so I'd be very surprised if he was bought. I, I just think he was more of a replacement for Sancho more than anything. Um, so like I said, it's, very, it's a never real Dortmund out because they're just great at spotting all these kind of young talents and developing these players or getting them before they're kind of the finished article. And um, obviously they did it uh, with Sancho and they did it with um, quite a few players before that as well. And they'll continue to do it because they've just got a great academy system and a great scouting system. Um, so who's to say they won't find the next Haaland and get another kind of few years out of him before they send him on his way? Obviously, they got a lot longer out of, say, Aubameyang before, like I'd say, they got the best out of Aubameyang and like Aubameyang in his prime before he left. Um, so interesting to see who they're trying to pick up next, but like they have Jude Bellingham as their latest kind of success story. He's been fantastic. Like there's links with him with top English sides again already. Um, so we'll have to see, but he's been um, been a breath of fresh air and like he looks to be, uh, he'll be there for, for a long, long time. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Like, Duke Bellingham easily, I think, probably is, uh, as well as Haaland has been their kind of standout performer. Obviously, Haaland has had one or two injuries, but my opinion so far this season, one of the standout performers, if not the standout performer, I think, the, the league is Duke Bellingham, just because how consistently he keeps, and with his age, how consistently he keeps himself ready. Like, he's only 18 years of age. Like, he, he only turned 18 there uh, during the summer. and like this was a guy who was in the the squad uh, in the euros at a young age like it's mad to even imagine that as a player that that he's playing in in the euros so young as well and and starting for a a very good dortmund side and consistently like performing for them in such a big league as well as as the bundesliga kind of then look looking at dortmund can you see them potentially causing an upset to, to Bayern Munich and maximising on when Bayern Munich obviously make their, their one or two slip-ups a season and, and obviously win, winning, um, potentially winning the title if obviously Haaland stays and kind of, is that what they might need to do obviously to keep Haaland is winning uh, league titles or winning trophies every season? Yeah, like... Yeah, Haaland is definitely key. I I, th- I think the head-to-head games is probably what potentially will sway those games. Um, Dortmund ha- have a ha- tendency, they're not the best necessarily defensively, so they're, they're going to have to score an awful lot of goals. Um, I, I still think it's very tough. I can't see past Bayern because I just think they, they have that steeliness and they still... They have this unbelievable ability, like all great teams, and if their back's against the wall late in the game, they find a way to win a game or they get a late goal. And it's not just Lewandowski that, that kind of uh, comes up with it. It's Muller or it's Sané or it's Kimmich or whoever, you know. Um, and they've just got the wealth of uh, of attacking talent. Like you have Co- what, Kingsley Coman as well. Um Call me mad, but Chupa Moting's been a great sign for them because he always chips in with a few goals as well. Um, so yeah, look, I'd find it very hard for um for some for anyone else really to outlast Bayern. I just think they're just too strong. Yeah, yeah, no, I d- definitely, definitely agree with you. I think kind of Bayern, Bayern, it's nearly a nat- uh, a natural thing for them just to win the the league every every season and. Even when they're playing poor, they seem to just get the wins. And one week they could lose, and then the next week they could score seven, seven or eight against the opposition. That's that's how good a side Bayern can be. Um, and then I suppose then the one last team I want to kind of cover in that league is obviously who the team who finished um just behind Bayern Munich last season in in Red Bull Leipzig. Obviously, um, the kind of, their biggest business I suppose was obviously. They lost their two main centre-backs in Upamecano and, and Konate, as well as then Sabitzer, obviously, who went, went to Bayern with Upamecano. And then they brought in um, uh, was it Andre Silva then from, uh, from Frankfurt, which, was, which was, in my opinion, was a very good bit of business. Um, with Leipzig, can you see them potentially coming into the mix maybe as well this season? Because... How consistent they are in finishing in the top four? Can they maybe be another team that could be considered as as title contenders as well? You know, poor Leipzig. They seem to be the whipping boys for all the the big teams. Everybody's taken all their best players. Um, yeah, Andre Silva has been excellent signing. The the same again. They've had a kind of iffy start of season. The same again. They're quite enjoyable to watch. A lot of goals and a lot of their matches. 
obviously the game with City and the Etihad as well. It was literally just you score one, we score one, and it was just there was just loads of goals going in. Um, so I think that's evident straight away that they are missing kind of some of those kind of defensive players with Canate, um, etc. So yeah, I, I don't know. Same again. I just think obviously with the fans coming back, everything's kind of balanced out a little bit. Like you could argue, Bushy Munch and Gladbach have a lot of attacking uh, wealth and talent in that team too, um, especially with like Turam, etc. Um, and they, they're kind of similar part of the table. Leipzig, a similar amount of points. Um, so I think it'll be same again. I think it'll probably be started of the new year before you see that league maybe settle down. Wolfsburg and Freiburg have both had excellent starts this season, as have uh, FC Kuhn. So, um, I don't necessarily that, that kind of momentum that teams have doesn't necessarily stay for a prolonged period so you might see a couple of chops and changes there but I'd expect that kind of you, you see the top three there for the moment I'd expect them to more or less stay the same come the end of the season with Dortmund Leverkusen and and obviously Bayern yeah yeah no it, it is type of thing and I think kind of you notice especially with um the the winter break that the, the the German league has kind of, it's quite a lot. It's probably one of the longest ones, I think, in Europe as well. It's kind of the longer one of kind of all the leagues because they have less teams, obviously, in their in their league compared to the other leagues. Um, so you, I, I, you do notice kind of, especially after the turn and when the season restarts, a lot of teams kind of kick on from there. So you see kind of the regulars kind of kick on even more and kind of solidify their position at the top of the table. Kind of so, kind of as we can see, kind of from the early things, they could it could change very easily, very quickly, kind of up until kind of after kind of the break. Um, so it will be kind of interesting to see kind of how that league finishes up. Um, but as you've said, there are a few teams that are kind of sneaking kind of their way into contention and might sneak into the top four as well, kind of of the kind of the best of the rest, as they say. Um, I suppose then the last question I have, which is going to be kind of for kind of all the leagues including the Premier League is how kind of currently on kind of the standard of the league kind of the quality of the league uh, as well as the quality of the football league how would you now rank your your top five leagues of those five leagues because as those are the kind of the main ones that are consistently kind of competing in European football and so how would you now rank them kind of in order so one being obviously the best and five being the worst pretty good question and Premier League is first, like like without a doubt, the English teams are so strong at the moment, like they're streets yeah. ahead. I would then probably put, hmm, I'd probably go Italian League, just purely because of how competitive it is towards the top of the table at the moment. And yeah. um, then I would say uh, a type between the German. I'd probably go German, okay. Then Spanish, and obviously French league fifth. Okay, well, I'd probably change up. I'd actually probably would put the Spanish as the bottom one at the moment, okay. um, and then yeah. league league probably second. Um, just because I think obviously the Spanish league is kind of at the moment I think has has gone down, especially with how the, how their teams are performing kind of lately especially in kind of europe and that which is why i think then they're going down the kind of attraction has gone down a bit because of that um now obviously it could probably change but i think pretty much i'd be saying probably as you would probably go 
um, Premier League, um, then I go Italy, then Germany, then uh, the French League, and then the Spanish League kind of at the bottom. And now that could easily change in the next season or two when Spanish League could jump right up kind of above the other leagues. But right now, I think uh, the probably the Spanish League is kind of the bottom of, of the group at the moment uh, until it improves. And maybe they get those one or two high-quality players that brings that attraction to the Spanish League back. But I suppose then that's probably the the best place to finish kind of from that because we've covered quite a lot today, obviously, in, in the different leagues and kind of looking at that um, kind of just to give people a, kind of our opinions on, on what we think across leagues so that we're, we're not just focusing on the Premier League. We're actually showing that we, we do have an interest. Like we do watch the, the other leagues across. Like I know we don't watch some of the other leagues that are, that are in there that play in the Champions League, but we still watch kind of the main top five at least because um, it, it, it's near right impossible to watch uh, all, every single league kind of in Europe of the main ones that play in like even like the Scottish League. I, I, can't, I can't really, I don't really get the time to watch or kind of the Dutch League, which can be very entertaining at times as well. But thanks again for joining me for this episode, uh, Rue. It's always great to have you on and great to have you as the first guest for season two. Yeah, been a pleasure, man. Really enjoyed that and look forward to, to further episodes down the line and the season ahead. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who's already listened to the first episode. We've had a, a great amount of listeners already. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, I've been Keen Samuel Mar, and this has been What a Hitson.